0: Welcome
1: to the Hammond High Podcast. This week, Sam Volpe meets DJ and broadcaster Edward Adu, covering topics from the loss of the best pistachio in London to the roots of knife crime, and from working in a profession with preconceptions about what voices fit to the joys of spinning records for packed rooms and A-list celebrities. I'm Sam Volpe, I'm a senior reporter on the Hammond High, and I'm on Zoom today with Edward Adim for the Hammond High podcast. Um, Edward's a broadcaster, a DJ, and various other things. Um, but perhaps he's best to explain precisely uh, what he does um, to everyone else first. Um, that might be a good place to
0: start. <laughs> Sam, good to be with you. And so yeah, I'm a, I'm a broadcaster. I'm a DJ, writer, uh, voiceover artist, and uh, music consultant. As As a broadcaster, and I think um, I'm sort of known for uh, mainly for my broadcast work. Um, I have a weekly show on BBC Three Counties Radio, which um, airs every Sunday night uh, between 8 and 10, also on BBC Radio Northampton. Uh, So uh, the show goes out across Beds, Hearts and Bucks in Northamptonshire. And it's eight or 10 on Sunday nights. And I've been hosting that show now for coming up now to to six years. And I also pop up on Jeremy Vine and uh, This Morning and, you know, various other shows and um, column pieces and The Standard, Guardian. So it's been extensive. And you you, you stumped me by asking that question because I tend to ask myself that when I wake Mm. up, what do I do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and you're... I know you went to school in Maida Vale. Um, I did, yes, I went to St George's. you lived, at least recently, in Cricklewood. Are you a North London lad? Or so you're I, like, am. What's your I am, I am, so
0: north, yeah, North West London. So I grew up in Gospel Oak, and then I um, moved to Cricklewood uh, in the, sort of towards the, uh, um, the, the late 90s, actually it was, it was 99. So I've been in Cricklewood uh, for the best part now of, of 20 years. So I've always had a connection to North West London, but... Growing up in, in Gospel Oak, um, I live near Queen's Crescent Market. Um, I went to St Dominic's Priory. Still, still go there. Still a, a parishioner. I'm, a, I'm I'm a I'm a good Catholic boy. Uh, go 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 to mass once a week. And so there's there's always been a connection with um, Northwest London, in particular. I mean, if you really want to kind of get uh, a bit um, intrusive and mm. a bit geeky. I, I suppose there is a connection which still bodes, which still um, connects where I live, where I used to live, and where I'm living uh, living at present is the C11 bus route because oh. it, it because it went to my old house. It kind of goes, well, it does. It goes past my where I'm living now. So it's when you think about um, connections um, to, uh, to to growing up connections and current connections i just thought of that for while. the C c11 bus it's yeah. still my sort of lifelong connection
1: yeah and i suppose you can sometimes you know get on the bus and you pass so many um memories and things like that it must be quite a strange experience sometimes
0: yeah and also going pl- going past many of the places where i i went to as as a child and um i for example uh, Chalk Farm, Chalk Farm Road, um, the enterprise pub next door used to be Marine Ices, which uh, they've moved further down. But I think they've changed. Um, they've, they, they've changed owners or they have new owners. But th- that would I would often go there with um, with my dad. Um, sometimes my mom took me on occasion, but it was mainly my dad would take me there for a pistachio because they did the best pistachio ice cream in, in London. And I went, I uh, I wouldn't say recently, I think probably about two years ago, I went to the New Marine Ices, which is opposite um, Morrison's in, in Short Farm, uh, just a foot past the roundhouse. And it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. Oh, no. And I thought, no, what's happened? And they said, well, no, the original owner uh, sold up and it's been taken over. And I thought, well, you know what? You've killed the recipe. Mm. <laughs> that flavour, oh, the dear. pistachio. It's no, is not what it used to be. So things like that can, um, yeah. Let's yeah. make you think, you know, dwelling on the uh, original flavour of marine ice's pistachio ice cream. Yeah. And As you do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I, I personally find pistachios a, a rogue flavour choice. Anyway, um,
0: <laughs> we, we would um,
1: uh, <laughs> I can I can certainly understand what you mean about the uh, the memories and the flavours that things things like if you, you tried bring it.
0: Back. If you tried it, you 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 would be besotted with it. It it was just out of this world. It was the. I mean, I don't even know if I can go really in depth and talk of whether whether pistachio ice cream has texture i mean that's taking it ab- that's overboard
1: it. <laughs> yeah oh i'm sure this there's, there's someone who would pay a lot of money to hear to hear hear a discussion about
0: that yeah um yeah no it's so childhood memories childhood memories and exactly. gos- g- gospel oak for me it brings back so i lived opposite the K- uh, kentish town city farm oh, um, yes. my mum had a market store at queen's crescent really? market yeah so in terms of local connections um, there was always a local connection. It's about L- as local as you
1: come, isn't it? Really, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: No, and I mean, obviously, that's that's an area that's probably seen a, seen a lot of change and a lot of not change as well. It's probably quite a. Um, I'm sure I, without, without willing to spe- wishing to speculate too much on how old you are. Like, I know roughly how old you are. Um, I'm sure the last sort of thirty thirty five years have, have seen quite a lot of change in that sort of area.
0: Yeah, there's there's been a lot of changes. Um, I would say, in particular, um, people people moved out of the area, um, and and I would say, in terms of, I don't want to sound like a a crime commissioner or to what, to uh, dwell on statistics when it no. comes to knife crime, but when I was there in the area, there wasn't much of that that type of crime occurring and it suddenly increased to the point, I mean, I even made a film for BBC politics about yes. kn- uh, knife crime in the area because I was so, it wasn't just about doing um, a, a piece uh, for uh, a, a TV piece. It was really personal to me. And I wanted to, wanted to take the viewer back to the area where I grew up and to explain what it was like, but to say, look, this is the issue. This is what's happening. Um, What can be done about it? Because it's not just here in um, Queen's Crescent or uh, in Kentish Town. This has turned into an epidemic. It's across London. It's London-wide. There are people losing their lives and no one knows what to do about it. And when I spoke to a few people in the area, I mean, they were uh, reluctant to talk, to speak on camera. Um, A lot of them were very... They just the thing with queens crescent gospel oak there's certain people certain heads in that area of media intrusion yes. um it it just completely um uh, they just they just don't like it they just yeah, don't they like, like it yeah. so they yeah. just want they, they they just they don't want the the media to be scrutinizing where they live and what they're all about because at the end of the day it's hard enough for them to kind of get through uh, a, a normal day because they may facing hardship or having to pay a bill or even just for popping along to Frank's at the end of Queen's Crescent to do their grocery shop, um, they may not have enough cash in yeah. order to to, to, to to cover their uh, the cost for buying the, the, the weekly shopping. But um, I'm not sure whether I was able to get an answer from the yeah. piece. It just felt I'd moved away and there were there were things happening in the area that no one could no one could fully explain as to why it was happening but it seemed there was a, a divide amongst certain people certain groups um, and it made me think why is this happening what yeah. what happened in order for this in order for this kind of in order for this to happen it was yeah it was very sad it was very sad
1: yeah. When you say sort of the the, the idea is in some ways to investigate what is what has happened to you, do you think you got anywhere, any kind of um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say um, diagnosis, but any kind of idea about what what that might be or what some of the sort of more underlying issues might be? I think you've touched on a few, um,
0: perhaps. I think there was one thing which it was hard to kind of ascertain was. The divide between certain communities. And I think there was possibly uh, a lot of people were saying that there was um, a, 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 a possible divide within the Somalian community and other parts of the community, which may be fueling the, the fire yeah. regarding knife uh, crime. And I wanted to find out why. You know, so why, why are people singling, singling out Somalians yeah. and, and, the, and certain parts of the community? Why? One thing about Queen's Crescent and Gospel Oak, it was that regardless of your, your, your background or your status, um, it had that true working class ethic where everybody would be respected and given a chance based on your personality. And living, living on a block, you know, in a council block for 18 years of my life in, uh, on Grafton Road, and um, the neighbors that I had were a true representation of that and they would stick by you and there were people who lived in my block where they were from different parts of the world um, yeah. from Bangladesh to, um, to Mexico, uh, South American across, and it didn't it, it wasn't you know we didn't have like a census form to say where you farm and this is this is your your, your background or you. Yeah belong in this certain class group. It wasn't like that at all. As I said, it was about um, your manner, your personality and your outlook on life. And I think that's what brought people together. But I think that that suddenly changed in 20 years and it made the area somewhat more toxic. It made people who, had, who live in the area more, more vulnerable and frightened because they speaking to, to some people they felt they couldn't walk down queen's crescent at 10 o'clock at night if they wanted to pop down yeah. to the shop to buy a pint of milk you know i remember walking along queen's crescent after a night out jumping off the 24 night bus and you know possibly had one or too many yes i'm sure we've all it done happens. back in the day Ooh. you know it's life we need to enjoy Bye. ourselves and um, what we do for that now no no exactly oh gosh those <laughs> days will come back they will um and sort of none the wiser, just strolling along Queen's Crescent and there was no one in sight and not fearing that I would be attacked or anything. But if that happened now or say when, you know, we could go out and when pre-COVID, I don't think I would be able to walk along freely on, uh, on, along Queen's Crescent without being stopped or harassed by yeah. someone because they were looking for... Um, uh, uh not not a victim but they basically they were looking for someone they were just looking looking for trouble in order to um in or, for their fix for their fix of drugs or for for money or whatever they wanted and it's like why, why again the questions why 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 are those people doing that
1: yeah absolutely um, yeah, I think that's probably a, a question people will be wrestling with for, for probably some time. Um, yeah. yeah, why don't we talk about something slightly cheerier? Um, let's do it. <laughs> let's talk about the fire. Uh, I what I find really interesting. You've obviously a, a DJ as well. Um, I am, yes, yes, I thought it'd be quite interesting, partly because of um, the fact that the music industry is, and certainly the live music industry is one of the places that COVID's really hit, yeah. but also, um. Just keen to hear about a bit about your um, time DJing. I found some old things, uh, old articles and interviews when you obviously, um, I think you, did you have a residency in West Hampton at one stage? I
0: did, yes. So I played at, it's now Alice House, but originally it was Eclipse on West End Lane. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a Sunday residency there, which was great. And um, I think at the time I was mixing on turntables, on, 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 prop, on proper decks, vinyl. I think with one CD player. And I think that was the moment where I um, more or less kind of transitioned from playing on, on, on vinyl to, uh, to CD, CDJ. So basically morphing from turntables to CD decks. Yeah. And um, playing at West Hampstead, I met so many l- great people, in particular um, Melissa and Wayne, who they used to come and see me play regularly. They lived down the road. They um, and a, a lovely American couple who I didn't know at the time. They worked for yeah. CNN. Oh, and wow. um, they used to come and see me. And they became um, like obsessed with some of the tunes that I played. And I was just really in awe of their energy and their enthusiasm about the music. And we kept in contact, I mean, even to the point where I didn't realise I was near their neck of the woods because they have moved back to Atlanta. Ah. And I went to Atlanta um, back in 2015 and I didn't realize they had actually went to the CNN building for a tour and um, the touristy things that you can do when you're out okay. there. And they saw, they saw one of the photos on Facebook and they were gutted. They said, Oh, you came to our part of town and you didn't hit us up. You didn't let us know. And I thought, no, I, said, I didn't know you were in Atlanta, but no um, eclipse was, was, was a great place. And um yeah, met so many, met so many people um, and DJing for me, London, DJing in London has been, it's been an honour. It's been a privilege in these trying times. It's been a struggle um, thinking about the next DJ gig because I, alongside other DJs don't know when that's going to happen because of the the current restrictions and because, of um, because of the pandemic, um, one thing I like about one thing which lured me into DJing was about diversity, integration, and people being themselves. Because on a dance yeah. floor, there's one thing in, in 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 society we've got that we've got that societal view of we we are defined based on how we look, how we sound, but when we're dancing there's no one ticking a box saying oh you're abc1 or you're bme or you're 52 no one is judged on the dance floor you're, you and as a dj um, it, it's great just to see people enjoy themselves especially to a tune that they haven't heard or to a tune which i totally adore and i want to share that yeah. on the dance floor i mean that's a magical thing and um I suppose my highlights of DJing in, in London. I mean, I had, I had, so I had a residency at Eclipse in West Hampstead. I also had a residency at the um, St. Martin's Lane Hotel, uh, the light bar, uh, which was incredible because the light bar in St. Martin's Lane, it became the spot where um, you had Angel of Cuba, the restaurant next door, but um, you it was. It used to get packed all the time, and it was very much. It wasn't selective, but um, I mean, you had people like Mark Ronson playing there, and for years, I wanted to get a chance to DJ there, and I will never forget when I got the phone call from um, Mario, who's one of the managers. He's gone on to do some, like some amazing things now, running the operation for um, uh, who's the, uh, Gordon Ramsay. His, 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 his group across London and he called me up, I was on a, on a number seven bus and uh, he said, yep, we've listened to your CDs we'd like to give you um, a trial um, a five hours um, uh, set um, but if you, I won't repeat what he said but I'm sure <laughs> it, 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 it kind of connects to dog manure and he we said uh, it, yeah, if you are um, then it, it will be your last set, so the pressure and I, Juno Records, Juno Records have got a base in, in Camden. I won't mention yeah. where they are just in case people, because I think it's a mail order. So I, yeah. I've known the guys there for years. So I called them and said, look, i got, got a set. And I think I must've spent about like 150 pounds on. And back then, this was around the time I was DJing at Eclipse. Um, so, so. I would jump on the Northern line with three boxes or three crates of vinyl from Gold is Green to Amazing. Charing Cross yeah, and getting to Charing Cross I used to stack all my record bags as in you know together and then lug them up the stairs and I'm not sure if you know Charing Cross there's various yeah. sort of exits so the exit where, which is near Charing Cross police station it's the one that kind of takes you around the back of the Strand and onto St. Yes. Martin's Lane um, like the, the exit there they, it's like very it's, it's deep like there must be about what at least what 50, I don't know, 60, 60 steps or whatever. If you've got free record bags, that can do your back in. So I would do that. I mean, literally getting off, off the tube, steps, escalator, escalator to the exit, to street level, then walking around a, a corner with my bags. By the time I got to the light bar, I was exhausted. That would probably be around 9 30s. So I'm like out of breath, dancing and, oh gosh i've got a five-hour set to do and then the easiest part of the evening was getting a cab home oh <laughs> uh, well i can imagine oh <laughs> uh, but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it I, I there was one evening where i um there was only five i think it was a quiet thursday evening and there was only five people at the bar and i remember saying to mario is it possible i can just finish you know knock off early for the night because if there's you know just put there they've got like an in-house system so they can pipe the music through for uh you know for people drinking in the bar and he said no ed you can't i said but mario there's only five people there please he said i said those five people are they spent a lot of money they they have spent a couple of uh, they spent about a grand and a bit on, on on whiskey i said mario why are you obsessed about these people it's "Ed." It's Brandon Flowers from The Killers. Right. Okay. So you play until they leave, <laughs> which I did. So I played like some old school soul and some rare groove and classic hip hop. And he was nodding away and he was like, yeah, I'm digging that. And that was it. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, little private set with uh, with The Killers.
1: Yeah. Well. Um, St. Martin's the- Lane
0: Hotel. Cool. <laughs>
1: the claim that is a,
0: yeah um, no, and are you no. are you
1: still pre um, pre pandemic you're still fitting in dj sets around everything else though
0: uh yeah i mean oh everything was going well until until march i mean i had one gig during lockdown or as in in between lockdown um yeah in October i think it was i think it was before the lockdown in november it was at a pub in um catford a ninth life and everybody was there covid secured or sat down and uh, had my mask on gotta be honest it was a very you know the ninth life i have to big them up for for, for booking me and yeah. to get me there but it was just weird because i'm used to people getting up and dancing and everyone was just sat down i mean there were there were, there were two ladies who got up and i think i played like um, a balearic house record and then they just jumped up and started putting their hands in the air and the security guard said, look, we have got to calm down. Of course we have to throw you out. And uh, so it, it reminded me of, um, it took me back to a set that I did back in the day for Film 4, uh, Film 4 Summer Screen at Som- Somerset House, where yes, it wasn't so much, it wasn't about people dancing. It was about setting the soundtrack, playing the right tunes and getting people in in the mood, Gets getting that vibe alive and I think in these challenging times if you are DJing in that environment I think you need to program yourself to be aware of the conscious of the environment and try in a a sense think of people dancing and to create that atmosphere but not letting the situation and the pandemic Um, drown your energy whilst you're trying to to create that vibe with the set yeah if that that makes any sense oh
1: i think so i think it's um it's a strange situation isn't it when you we can't quite can't quite do anything that you desperately want to do so i suppose you're very very much looking forward to getting that all uh when we can't wait i so
0: festivals standing calling in in hartfordshire um also, the Arts Club in um, in Mayfair. The sad facts about the pandemic: um, the Hospital Club in Covent Garden is no is no longer. Yeah, which and I had a I the Martini Lounge. Uh, the, the place was just it was fascinating. It was a brilliant creative hub um, in the middle of Covent Garden, and um, it's just, it's really sad that it's, it's yeah. the building's still there, but in terms of the club, it's, it's done. It's not, yeah. it's not there anymore.
1: I mean, how have you been? How have you found the the sort of general lockdown pandemicness? Obviously, maybe perhaps, and this is purely uh, hypothesising, but. Is there something about having a radio show that's a, a nice connection?
0: Um, just, you know, yeah, yeah, no, you're, the, the radio my, my radio show has kept me sane through this. And through lockdown, because we've all been told to stay at home for the right reasons, um, only go out for essential journey, shopping, walk, your exactly. your, your one-hour walk, or if you're an essential worker. So somehow... I've been classed as an essential worker, being able to go in to do the radio show uh, as, as a as, as a broadcaster, which um, to me, essential workers are NHS healthcare oh, yeah. workers without shadow of a doubt. Um, so I would never, even though we are, you know, I'm classed as an essential worker to get into work. Yeah. Those are the true champions the people in the sick. front line, you know my mum my works in the front line, my mum is is a, a carer oh, wow. wow. so you know mum looking after vulnerable people and um, you know sometimes it's a bit it's a bit scary you, you I'm always I'm always on the phone to mum mum be yeah. safe, you know hope everything's all right, but mum hasn't had a holiday since the yeah. pandemic That's started, tough. and she's been on it but I think what what I draw from that. Like what mum is doing is her energy and her dedication to um, to her clients. She treats all of her clients as friends. I mean, even when she's recently, she hasn't been at work. I said, mum, are you okay? Yeah, 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 yeah I'm fine. I said, but you're, you're not working today. No, I'm off. Okay, but you're calling your clients to ask them about their dinner, whether they've taken their tablets. Yeah, because I want to make sure that they're okay. I'm like, wow. That's amazing. No questions yeah. asked. No more further questions, Mum. <laughs> That's it's enough. A, it, pretty, inspiring. You know, it's inspiring. I think I draw a lot from that, and yeah. um, you know, being on on radio and speak, it gives it gives me the opportunity to speak to someone who may not have that company, who may the radio is their one, the radio is their friend, and yeah. and and in these current times, there's no one else there.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was going to um,
0: ask about something that I
1: found really interesting about your sort of career, because I think people might recognise your voice if they don't recognise anything else, because you've done loads of continuity and voiceover work, um, yeah, yeah. I think. And well, that, that really interested me, partly because I have absolutely no idea how any of that works, <laughs> how you get into that um, sure. and what's it like. But I just thought it'd be really interesting to find out because it's a little, bit, a little bit different,
0: let's say. No, yeah, no. I've always been fascinated about uh, doing voiceovers and I used to hear Lisa Ianson, who um, she still is the queen of, of of the voiceover game, in my opinion, and also Pete Tong and Trevor Nelson, they used of course, to yeah. often voice uh, album and single promos. I, I remember calling a voiceover company, I think probably about 2004, What's it no, probably about 2002, 2003, and said, yep, yeah, would like, you guys to consider me and they said have you got a reel no what, what, what's a show reel and they said well you need examples of your work so i said but i don't have any and they said well until you get examples of your work we can't make a decision and we can't take you on and they were very polite about it so um so i thought gosh how am i going to do this so I thought, here's a plan let's make some examples so not kind of fake adverts but some examples demonstrating the tone of my voice and I did that in the same company they took me on and then I ended up doing lots of working for um doing voiceovers for choice fm capital fm um nhs and then um ended up working with the um I'll just I'll just call him my mate carl um (coughs) actor comedian He's just mega talented. Carl Pilkington Course, was working yeah. at XFM, and uh, my friend from uh, from uni, Matt Fisher, was working at, at uh, XFM at the time. He's now uh, he's now that I'll call him the Sonic King of Radio One and 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 Six Music. So all the jingles that you hear on Radio One and bits of Six Music, he's the architect behind it. And uh, Radio One and well, I'm not going to get into uh, a geeky a yeah. geeky jingle t- discussion. And then Matt called me and said, look, um, Carl's looking for a new voiceover uh, for Lauren Laverne, Christian O'Connell. Um, but look, mate, if he's not feeling your voice, don't take it personally. But can we get you in to do a trial and, you know, it'll be paid if he likes the sound of your voice? So you know, I walked in, I, I, I could just picturing the the, the the studios at XFM, Carl, the way he is on TV, So you're all right. Goes, yeah, 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 I can't, I can't do a, a, a Carl Gilbertson. <laughs> no, I won't because Carl probably would just delete my number from his phone if I went there. And, um, so he's like, yeah, you know, cause your, your voice is all right. And, cause uh, yeah, we'll, 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 use you. So at the time I mentioned f- the, the fee that I thought I was supposed to be paid. And he was like, no, cause that's literally four times more than what I mentioned or, or, or offered. And and you use me for like regular, regular stuff. And it was really great because um, there were other stations who I'd contacted before yeah. and asked if I could do work for them. And they said, no, because they thought I was, they, they said, oh, they, they just said, oh, you're, you're, you're a black voice. We can't use a black voice on our station because it doesn't really suit. But then they heard my voice on XFM, which XFM, XFM, um, an indie rock station, a black voice, this Carl, none the wiser thing, uh, Carl was just booking me because he liked my voice. That was it. Carl wasn't thinking, right. I can't not book Ed because Ed's black and his voice ain't going to suit the station. So I think it kind of made them think, gosh, we may have made a mistake here. Let's get him to kind of work, come and work for us. And, um, and yeah, that led to other bits doing continuity so continuity uh, how would i define a continuity um a, a, a continuity announcer so you're watching um bbc1 or itv they're the person who intru- They introduced the programs uh you know at the start and then at the end uh, so for example um coming up in half an hour um curly's back in coronation street now now on itv1 it's time for us to head up north for Emmerdale, something like that, just off the back, but you know, like a 10 and then, yeah. and that's done live. So I did that for, um, men and motors, ITV three, um, bits of ITV four. Then I ended up doing, I was, I sent, I sent what I did on, for ITV men and motors to channel four, because channel 4 were looking for a new, um, continuity announcer for more four. And, um, I was literally whittled down from like about a thousand voices to like three or four and got the gig. So I was part of the launch of War four, but it didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen because, um, the creatives at the time, again, this issue of your voice doesn't fit the picture or whatever. Yeah. They said, Oh, uh, you're a bit too urban for us. And I thought, oh, well, what, what, what does, does that mean? mean? Yeah. I'm like, you know, more oh, for is a it's a it's a it's an adult, it's a more mature channel. But I think in their mind, anything that sounded urban or whatever was very youth skewed, yeah, where they didn't feel that more Four could have. I'm not sure whether it was a case of they didn't want, I'm, I'm sure that's not the case, but you know, to have a, 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 a black voice on war four, I'm not sure whether that was the case, but I still don't understand what they meant by urban. And I yeah. think now talking about George Floyd and talking about black lives matter and talking about categorizations when it comes to uh, product placement or when people are talking about black music in particular, it's interesting to note the term urban is no longer used. And it annoyed me. It annoyed me because, you know, when I used to have meetings with radio stations and the first thing they would say is, you know, so what kind of urban music do you play? And I just used to think, it's it's not the kind of allergy, cringy, cheesy line that he used to say, is it because I'm black? But I used to think that all the time and think, well, in actual fact, I just don't, I'm I'm not your Sean Paul you know, Michael Jackson or Mary J Blige, or, you know, I love those artists, but just because of my skin color doesn't mean that I'm just into those artists in particular. I like talking heads, I like, I like New Order, you know, I like a bit of Kylie, I like a, a bit of, you know, uh, um, all styles of music, you know, from reggae to techno, to jazz, to folk, um, it, my music re- musical re- music repertoire goes all over the place. So to be stereotyped because of the way well, of, of your looks or something. And I, and I think for me, that's what made me want to get into this arm um, of broadcasting, i.e. the kind of more speech radio, yeah. doing uh, bec- uh, becoming a, a, um, a columnist. And because I felt there might be other people in my predicament who may not get the opportunity... To do what they want to do because they are c- constantly stereotyped.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think you've you've written quite powerfully about a lot of that. And I think in in music as well, you've kind of championed a lot of diversity in interesting ways and done some really interesting work. And I also noticed you were involved in the sound the BBC Sound of polls. I think I was for a number of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I yeah. Wondered if you. Um, that's that's clearly something that you've kind of both spotted, obviously, in in that because you've experienced it. But you've do seem to have done quite a lot to try and you know try and uh, improve things a little bit. Is that fair to say? And is that something you? I'd to
0: like do? to, yeah, definitely. I'd like to say I I've I've tried to at least create more conversations, and I was um I was fortunate to get um a call from matt hancock from his office um okay from his advisor so when matt hancock was digital minister oh, he okay. got a number of um people within uh, from the world of uh, broadcasting music to uh be- i'm not sure if it was a steering pa- but basically it was like a diversity panel and um he invited us to Whitehall to the dcms offices and i remember jumping on the jubilee line all suited and muted and you know going to whitehall and looking around and like wow this you know there's the digital minister this is all wow looking around as I like head of diversity for um you know a fellow colleague from the bbc uh, the former head of diversity who was there and there was other people from sky from commercial radio from the football association and everyone was going around kind of sharing their story and then I, I shared mine and um, more or less said to, to Matt, look, based on my experiences, I think um, the creative industry needs to be more diverse and also radio, um, in particular, commercial radio needs to do more because at the time, commercial radio would just, it, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't it was going anywhere. Where, in my opinion, they had to do more. more. And I'm, I'm glad they've got to the point now, more work needs to be done yeah. but they seem to be kind of going in the right direction back in 2000 and I think fifteen, sixteen, 16, they weren't there. They yeah. weren't there. And, um, and I've, uh, it, Matt has, Matt has a big challenge on his hands with the pandemic and right. COVID. And I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. And I, I, and I always say to people, you know, no one should be judged because at the end of the day, If that was his counterpart, the the shadow health secretary, he'd be in the same predicament. So people should not get their claws out and say, based on their political allegiance, this is the fault of one political party. When you're dealing with a pandemic, you just don't know what's around the corner. And as a digital minister, Matt was pretty, pretty on the ball with a, a great team behind him who managed to stamp out the Form 696 Oh, okay. Uh, and I mean, he managed to get Sadiq Khan to, to, to overrule to, to, to scrap it basically. And, um, Sorry, just for it,
1: people who might not, I, oh, I, I'm not entirely sure. I know what. So briefly
0: six, nine, six is if, if I, if the form was still, um, active now, if I wanted to put a, an event on in a bar or a club or in a big kind of, um, open space, i.e. a festival, yeah. Um, I then have to stipulate, you know, the genres of music, or, um, you know, who I am, based yeah. on on my, you know, ethnicity and stuff. And, and a lot lot of people got really annoyed about this because they said, well, for promoters or, um, people connected to other genres of music, i.e., rock and indie, yeah, they weren't asked to fill in a six nine six form. Yeah. But what, but for a lot of black talent. And okay. then, for example, this was then, I think, past, it, this was, um, I think, it was the um, I forgot, it was the police. I think it was the police and local authorities. So then, based on what was um, um, so sort of kind of stipulated on the form, um, nine times out of ten, the event wouldn't go ahead because yeah. it would be deemed a security risk or too too many black people are going to be at this event. So it's going to cause trouble. Everyone's yeah. going to get stabbed. And that was the the perception of yeah. from authorities about six nine six, which was shocking, and I can't believe for years that was allowed to happen. But yeah, Matt Hancock and his advisor, Jonathan Baddiel, they made they—they they were the architects of um, luring Sadiq Khan to get rid of it, well, that's, and for uh, the police to say for Met Police to say, "Well, look, we no lo- we will no longer be requiring these forms." Yeah. So, you know, when I hear stories about Matt and about COVID and stuff, I'm thinking, you know what, he's a great, passionate minister. And, you know, he, needs, he should be judged on what he did as digital minister. And I think, yeah. um, and also for the great work he's doing at the moment with, with, with the vaccine. Quite. Of course, yeah. listen, people make mistakes. And yeah, who knew what was coming with yeah. last year? I don't think anyone did. You know, no, everyone thought it was, a, it was just a cold. We get rid of it. No one knew that 100, 100 120,000 deaths later we'd still be trying to get back to some sort of normality. It's been it's been crippling, it's been sad, it's been tragic and I hope things turn around so definitely I can I get to. back to to DJing and and just being happy watching people dance the tunes.
1: Yes. Yeah quite being sat on a bus and not worrying about who you're touching
0: um no um, exactly and yeah. there's no limit you know those signs on the buses saying 30 people it's like oh it's a full bus this is great i'm around loads of people a sense of normality yeah 100 percent.
1: lovely thank you very much for your time it's been a real um real pleasure So thanks so much to Edward for joining us. Don't forget to hit subscribe and we'll be back again next week. Welcome to the Hammond High podcast. Hello and welcome to this series of Unfinished with me, Charles Thompson. From true crime to football, politics to folklore, for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash Archant.